the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives, sponsored by RC Auto, me and myrc.com. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Rescuers Radio Show on faithtalk1360.com. My guest today is Kim Humphrey. Kim is CEO, Executive Director of Parents of Addicted Loved Ones, also known as PAL, It's a nationally recognized content expert and speaker on the issue of drug abuse in the United States and its impact on the family. Hello, Kim. Hey, thank you for having me. Nice to have you here. Oh, this is great. So I always like to start off with my guests about how did you get here? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, it's uh, it it was a a long journey when your uh, organization you work for is called Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. It sort of gives away a little bit about what uh, I'm about to say. So you had quite a career before that, though, right? Well, I did. And uh, I spent uh, 32 years with the uh, Phoenix Police Department and retired about six years ago. And uh, unfortunately, during that time, I had to deal with a lot of issues uh, with my sons and um, you know that sort of added a whole different layer to it when you're when you're uh, working for law enforcement and and you have uh, sons that get involved in drugs and then all of a sudden you're you're hearing from people at work about what's going on with them and you know a lot of a lot of things went unfortunately not the way that uh, my wife and I had hoped and prayed sure well let's get into the story well, you know, our, uh, we have two sons, uh, and uh, a lot of times we hear stories about uh, trauma, you know, divorce, uh, all kinds of other issues where you, you hear that and you say, well, you know, that's why somebody ended up uh, getting involved in drugs. But uh, in our case, you know, my wife and I have been married for, for 37 years. Uh, we have a wonderful uh, family. We, they, our sons grew up in a wonderful, beautiful home. And uh, I would have really, I would have bet you anything that 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 uh, issue of drugs would have never, ever entered our household. What a blessing from God, though. Your marriage is intact and and came through that. Well, it, it is. And, and it's not by accident because uh, it was extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. And uh, when our son was, our oldest son was about 15, we received a phone call from uh, a woman. We were just sitting at, at home one night enjoying our evening, and this woman said uh, to my wife, she says, uh, you may not remember me, but uh, I, I've known you from some school functions, and I just wanted to call you and, and let you know that um, my daughter, who goes to school with your son, is, well, frankly, she's very concerned that your son uh, might overdose. Oh, wow. 
I mean, we literally went from we don't have any problem. We don't have a, a son that that I'm looking at and going, well, I've got a problem here. I think he's you know smoking cigarettes or or that he's you know doing something else. It's like literally from we have nothing that we think is going on to we think your son is going to overdose. Wow, can't even imagine. It, it just well, at first, I'd be perfectly honest. We we thought she called the wrong house. Yeah. We, we told her so, and my wife told her so, and. And honestly, it took a little while of, of just sinking in. And essentially, when we called in our son and said, hey, these people just called. And, of course, he immediately, you know, denied everything. And uh, when I finally kind of got my senses about me and said, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a drug test. Well, then my answer was there because immediately I got the pushback and, you know, why would you do that? And there's no need and, and all of that. And that sort of began our journey. Uh, it's almost 19 years ago. And you were still with the police department at that time. I was. I was with the police department. And, you know, honestly, it just became uh, more and more difficult because everything we tried, I mean, we, we, of course, pulled out all the stops. I mean, we took him to the doctor. We took him to a counselor. We took him to anything and everything we could think of to try and deal with this. And uh, the, the long story short is, is it just got worse. Um, the more we tried, uh, the worse it got. And uh, he just sort of kept spiraling out of control and school became a problem. And barely, I don't even know how he graduated from high school, um, just barely graduated from high school, but uh, got through that. And then the next thing you know, we're starting to see criminal activity and he's getting mm-hmm. arrested and and it just continued to spiral. Now, that's son number one. Right, right. You and mentioned two. I, we do. We have two sons and, and his younger brother witnessed all of this, you know, and he's about four and a half years uh, behind his brother. So, you know, he's witnessing all this. And, and of course, he's he's a great student. And uh, as he sees our older son uh, continue to get worse, uh, which eventually led to us, we, we couldn't have him in our home anymore. It was it, he was literally destroying our home and, and we were uh, he was stealing things. I mean, it was just it was awful. And eventually we had to have him uh, to leave the home uh, because he refused to go into treatment. And and at that point, you know, he's out living either with friends or on the street. And the younger son goes off to college. And we're wow. we're like, this is great. You know, yeah. he's at least he's doing well. And and all is is going well. And he's two years into uh, mechanical engineering studies. I mean, he's he's just doing fantastic and is there a butt here uh, yeah and that's the unfortunate part mm-hmm. is one day he comes home and he's and uh says that he he dropped out of his classes and i'm thinking okay one day he's going to school and everything's great and the next day he's completely dropped out of college and of course you know again to 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 shorten the story you know he admitted that he essentially had started doing drugs with his brother Oh, and boy. and uh, and he got involved in it, and and of course, when I say drugs, I, I need to be clear. It started yeah. off, and and we had found out from the beginning that the reason they were concerned about Sean overdosing was because he had been taking uh, pills, he had been taking uh, opioids, opioids. and uh, one of his friends had just said, "Hey, let's just try it," you know. So again, no trauma, no drama, just just literally like, "Hey, want to try this?" And our older son said, "You know, he took that pill." And unlike me, when, when I take those, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't mm-hmm. like the feeling it gives me. I don't want to take them. He said it made him feel like a new person. Oh, my gosh. And, and he, he literally tells today, he says, he says the story is just that, you know what? I, I felt like I couldn't not have it. I had to get it again. 
And and I just think to myself, well, that's sort of the, the definition of what happens between different people. You know, these yeah. drugs affect their bodies in different ways. And some people have that that issue. And in his case and in my younger son's case, eventually, you know, pills led to other things. And eventually it led to heroin mm. and meth and, and a variety of other drugs. And, uh, you know, our older son eventually became an IV heroin user, you know, living on the streets. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting calls from... You know, my police officer friends telling me that they found him living in the bushes, setting oh, yeah. up a camp in a park, um, about killed my wife and I. Just, yeah. just, a, you know, it just was just devastating. How do you handle that? Well, and that's the, that's the, the, the question of the day. Th- that right? is the question is, yeah. is we didn't handle it. You know, we, we were we were miserable and we became more and more reclusive and we didn't want to go out. And, we, you know, we couldn't even handle people asking us how they were because we didn't want to tell them. Because we started, you know, the guilt and 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 part of it was was what do you say to somebody? Yeah. You know, how's Sean doing? Well, he's living in the bushes over at a park, mm. you know, shooting heroin. We don't know if he's going to live another day. Oh. I mean, you you can't, you know, saying things like that is impossible. And and most people don't understand. Yeah. I mean, you start to explain to somebody that hasn't dealt with a drug issue, right. you know, about this. And you know what we heard? And it's sad to say this, but a lot of people, their responses were. What do you think you did wrong? Mm. Wow. And I'm thinking, well, I, I wish I knew. I, I <laughs> Honestly, I think yeah. we raised our sons to know right from wrong. And, yeah. you know, they grew up in our church and they were in their youth group and they were leaders and they were, you know, Sean was in the worship band. And, and I mean, I looked at this as like idealistic, mm. you know, like we, we're, we're following the recipe. Yeah. But I think that's the key is, is it's not about that. You, you do the best you can. Parents do the best they can. Yeah. So I'm assuming... All of this, at some point, led you to find a way to deal with this, and that's what led you to Powell? Yeah. So, you know— You were with this organization at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, interestingly, you know, it was almost nine years of us, my wife and I, trying to figure this out when, in total desperation, my wife was—I, I, I, you know— you look at this now and I go, this is what you get to. She's literally on the computer typing in, what do I do with a son that's addicted to heroin? Oh I don't know my. what to do. Oh, my. And and pops up on the, on the, on the search this organization uh, or this group called PAL. It wasn't an organization at the time. And uh, there was a meeting and she said, we're going to go to that. And I, I didn't even – I didn't think it was a good idea. I just thought, well, how is that going to help? Yeah. But we went, you know, she she literally was like, what else can we do? We've tried everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing works. And we ended up at this meeting. Uh, it was held at a, a local treatment center here in town, uh, Calvary Healing Center. And, you know, for a few weeks there, I sat there and I thought, you know, well, this is interesting. There are a lot of people dealing with this. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to do because I wanted them to tell me how to fix my sons. You know, I want to hear, and we all want to hear that story. I'm going to break away for a word from our sponsor right now. One of my greatest joys in life has been obtaining a vehicle from RC Auto. Yes, I said a joy in reference to buying or leasing a vehicle instead of walking into a car dealership lot and facing a horde of vultures waiting for you. You are invited into a calm, friendly place where you will be asked things like, what have you been driving? What are you looking for? What is your budget? That's when the car buying or leasing experience changes into an easy educational experience. Uh, 
RC Auto is not a typical car or truck dealership, so they have the advantage of seeking different brands like Toyota, Lexus, Subaru, and even more from a broad selection of sources that you never have to visit or arm wrestle a salesperson for. The joy is not being sold, but educated into the right decision for you. For your next vehicle, go to RC Auto, where it's more than just an exchange of keys. It's a relationship. Make an appointment today at meandmyrc.com. So entry into parents of addicted loved ones. Yeah, and as, as I was saying, I, I, I went to this meeting with the idea that they were going to uh, tell me what to do. And, and after about six weeks of not really you know, hearing that, I, I was sitting there. I had not spoken. My wife had. And uh, the, the person running the meeting, uh, he looked at me and he said, well, here's your opportunity. Did you want to share something? And I was like, no. And he, he insisted. He just kept saying, you look like you have something you want to say. You've been here for a few weeks and you haven't said anything. Wow. And I finally looked up and I said, yeah, okay, here, here's what I have to say. I came here so that you could tell me how to fix my sons, and I'm not hearing how to do that. <laughs> and he said, oh, you're a fix-it guy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess. And he goes, so you, do, are you good at it? Like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess so. On the police department, they asked me to you know, work on problems and fix things. And I'm like, yeah. And he says, well, here's the, here's the unfortunate thing. Can't fix your sons but we can work on you. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not the one with the problem. <laughs> I, I, I literally, I'm thinking, this is, you know, why are you telling me about me? And, and I have to tell you that that was the first time that I ever put down the microscope on my sons mm. and picked up the mirror and had to look at myself. And I had, had to realize, you know, we were not helping in this situation. We were so uneducated about how to deal with this issue yeah that I think we were actually making it worse. Mm. And so we started to learn and, and we started to realize we were not alone. And there were all these other people with these similar stories. And, and we were surrounded with people that got it, yes. that understood. And, yeah. and, and they were doing the best they could and they didn't know what to do. And they were desperate like we were. And, and, and it's certainly not a blame on you and your wife. This is a way to, to, to get this right in your family. Well, and that's what we started to learn was let going, you know, letting go of this guilt. And yeah. and the, the unique thing about the PAL meeting was that it was an education and support group. So, you know, a little different than some of the other, you know, organizations out there. They had a lesson on addiction and recovery. We started to become educated. And then they were there to support us when we made good decisions mm -hmm. and, and started to set boundaries and, and do other things. And... And about six months into that, we were going to that meeting, and the 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 founder of it, who had started it there at the at this treatment center, uh, came up to me and my wife and said, "Hey, I think you guys need to facilitate a meeting. I'm just getting all these requests, and we got too many people coming to this meeting, so I'm trying to branch this out and 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 put them around the valley." And uh, needless to say, it took a lot of convincing, a couple of months, actually, of him <laughs> trying to convince us because we thought we're not in no position to do that. And uh, yeah. so – but we did it, and we started facilitating a meeting over in uh, the Northwest Valley uh, of the Phoenix area. And and then after another uh, – about less than a year or so ago in, in uh, late 2014, uh, right about the time I was retiring from the police department, almost within – less than a month of me retiring from the police department, 
the founder of, of this organization, and again, it wasn't an organization. I keep saying that, but that's because it is now. Yeah. It was this loose-knit group of a handful of meetings here in the Valley. And he had received a call from an org- uh, a group in another state. It was in Indiana. And somehow they found out about it, and they were like, how do we start a meeting there? And so he had started to help them get a meeting started, and he and he came to me and he said, "Look, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I'm I'm trying to write a book. I'm I'm uh, honestly I'm getting up in years a little bit here, and and I I don't know how to do this. I kind of want to retire and do some <laughs> other things, but I am getting all these calls and all this other uh, requests about this. So would you help me?" Well, we ended up putting together uh, a group of people that were interested, some parents. Uh, he essentially handed over all of the materials. He he met with us and gave us uh, the keys, basically, mm-hmm. to what he had been doing. And uh, in early 2015, uh, this group of 12 parents uh, formed it as a nonprofit in Arizona. We... We started off with a well, no budget. Uh, we had one individual that donated four hundred dollars so that we could open a bank account, and uh, we had no idea what we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, we put together, you know, uh, our website. We kind of cleaned it up, and we started looking at how we could uh, answer these calls and requests that we were getting. And the next thing you know, we put together a training program so that people, if they were in another state and they wanted to start a meeting, we could share with them how to do that because if you think about it somebody that's in a desperate situation if you start giving them too much to try and do yeah. it's going to be really hard i mean they're already thinking they don't even know like we did and, and it's not a bullet list sheet where this is what no. you do one two three four no no it's it really comes down to providing that ongoing support and education right. and so after a short period of time we we sort of Kind of had things running very smoothly, 100% volunteer, uh, you know, organization. Uh, And then the uh, unfortunate thing, which is fortunate, is that uh, it grew. And over the last five years, uh, with virtually no advertising for, or and when I say no advertising, I mean doing nothing other than it was just on the web and it was word of mouth. Uh, we grew from that handful of meetings in Arizona, that one in Indiana, to now we have meetings in 39 states in the wow. United States. So hundreds of people. Um, so it, it's gone. It's gone uh, beyond uh, you were trying to work this out, and now you have hundreds of people. You know what you found. You found, and the way they found you was just through word of mouth. It sounds like, and hey, you got. You know this is this works. My question is, uh, it's about the kids who have, who have the addiction. Has it ever happened that the parents are addicted as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, we are called parents of addicted loved ones, and our primary focus is on people that are dealing with the sons and daughters uh, or if they raised somebody, like could have been their niece or nephew. Uh, but we do get spouses uh, in our meetings. We do get brothers and sisters. We do get grandparents consistently uh, in our meetings. And we do have families where, uh, honestly, the, you know, the, the people throughout the family are addicted, and it's a friend that shows up to try and, to try and intervene. I have another purpose for asking that question. I was raised in a family where my mom was addicted to prescription drugs her whole life. 
and our family was just screwed up over this whole deal. And uh, Dad doesn't know how to handle it. Me and my two older sisters didn't even know what was going on until there were a lot of visits to hospitals, a lot of visits to mental home, uh, um, uh, mental health institutions. Um, she figured out a way to get whatever the pills were of the day. And I, and, and, um, I was very fortunate because later in life, much later in life, uh, I got involved in some programs that you're familiar with, uh, crystal darkness and the crystal meth issue, uh, helped produce that video. And then another video on tracking heroin's hold on Arizona. And then another one on, uh, from prescription to opioids. I went back and did a search on the net on the, on the web uh, what was going on in the 50s? What was going on in the 60s? What was the drug of choice in the 70s? What would my mom, how could she have been on any of that? Most of them were guised as sleeping pills at the time, but they were all very addi- highly addictive things. So um, I, I, I feel bad when a family has to go through this, but the process that you with Powell Parents of Addicted Loved Ones has made such a great difference. Mm-hmm. It's a difference maker, uh, and, and you're seeing it played out. Well, yes, and one of the first things that we did after we organized was we engaged with Northern Arizona University to have a couple of professors take a look at PAL. And over the last uh, over three years, they've been engaged in some research on on uh, the effectiveness of what we do. And, of course, we knew anecdotally that it was making a difference in people's lives, particularly the parents and the family members. But now they're they're looking at, well, not only do family members get better and get healthier physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, uh, but now they're showing a correlation between when the family gets better, the loved one is more likely to seek, mm. you know, help. And that's, the, that's what happened with us. When my wife and I made the changes, when we started to learn how to take care of ourselves, set boundaries, do some things differently, do it all in love, do it in a way that was loving, but also at the same time not, not perpetuating the problem, then we started to see changes. Wow. And eventually, you know, our older son was the first. Um, you know, he almost uh, – he. Well, I, we don't even know how many times he overdosed. He overdosed uh, several times that we don't know about, mm. uh, survived them, uh, was in the hospital multiple times, many, many issues, uh, concerns, uh, problems, has, you know, but, but eventually it's, it, it hit him. And, and he, he finally, you know, essentially, I'll call it, had an, uh, you know, that awakening moment, that moment of clarity. Yeah. Uh, he got himself into treatment. Uh, he ended up in a long-term program for about a year, and then eventually uh, that 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 time of the however many times there were dozens uh, of treatments, that time it 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 really worked. And uh, he's been uh, clean and sober in recovery for about six and a half years or so. Um, younger brother was about four to six months behind, uh, and and. Interestingly, it was his older brother that convinced him that he needed to get help too. Mm. So the the neat thing is, is in our case, and it's not, it doesn't always happen. There's no guarantees. Yeah. But one of the neat things is, is you know, I I now have a granddaughter that is uh, the love of our lives. Uh, both of my sons own homes. They both have really uh, you know wonderful jobs. They're wow. law-abiding citizens. It's a complete change from what we were dealing with. 
there's so much so much that we haven't even talked about you know the financial uh crash the uh the the other components of this but we're running out of time um so now now you've seen this grow mm-hmm. to almost 40 states hundreds of people involved in the groups you train facilitators i you know for every one of those groups and uh what that must feel like the the and to see your sons be where they are now uh must be so more than refreshing this is a blessing in your life you couldn't see coming well it is and that's why we want to give back and that's why we're involved in this and you know honestly right now we're involved in a pandemic but most people don't realize the pandemic i'm talking about is the one underneath the one we're dealing with yes it's far more devastating far more people lose their lives uh around the world from the drug addiction issues. And right now, substance use problems are skyrocketing underneath this. In the world of COVID. In the world of COVID, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable how many people are suffering from that, but even more so from underneath and in this drug issue. And we're going to come out of this, unfortunately, with more and more individuals. I literally, in the last two days, uh, am dealing with two more individuals that overdosed and died from our meetings. Oh and within the last two, three weeks, we've had about five or six oh others. My. It's just, it's devastating. And this, this, this uh, COVID issue has just created that issue on top of it. I like ending a Rescuers Radio Show with a question. Uh, through COVID, there's going to be many stories come out. What do you see your story out of after COVID? Well, I'm hoping that PAL is going to be positioned to step into the gap and say, you know what, we're here for those that are out there suffering with this. And we're hoping that people will look us up on the web at palgroup.org and we'll help them. We're here to stand and walk alongside you as you go through this journey. Kim, thank you for being on the Rescuers Radio Show today. Thank you so much, Art. Everyone here has learned a lot. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Sponsored by RC Auto, where it's not just an exchange of keys, it's a relationship.